www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 52. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. With reports of operating losses standing at more than a million, some suggest more than two million pounds per month, the financial situation of the club is of great concern to Rovers fans everywhere. So we'll be following up on a discussion we had two weeks ago in Podcast 50 when we talked to financial expert and BRFCS forum member Philip L about the club accounts. Philip gave us a rundown of Venkis Linden Limited accounts as well as the Blackburn Rovers Football Club accounts Two separate sets of accounts covering two separate periods under the Venkis ownership, but they're accounts that need to be looked at together in order to assess the overall financial health of the club. Philip gave us his interpretation of the accounts and also offered some projections, all of which painted a far from rosy picture. We were hoping to have another financial expert on that podcast to discuss the figures with Philip, but unfortunately, he already had plans for that day. But today, he's been able to join us, and so we welcome Andy Neal onto this podcast edition. Andy's a long-term member of the forum and is known as Fernhurst Rover on the board. He's an accountant with Pennine Lancashire Accountancy, and as well as contributing regularly to the forums, he also makes a valuable contribution behind the scenes by doing the BRFCS accounts for free. Andy's also been involved with the Fans Forum for some time and earlier this month was elected chair of the Fans Forum. So today he'll be discussing the accounts and he'll also be giving us an update on the Fans Forum. We're very fortunate today to have not one but two financial experts. Dan Grabko is an assurance accountant and is chief financial officer at a company in Sweden and is widely known as the brainchild of the Fanshare initiative to buy into ownership of the club that started earlier this year. The initiative developed very rapidly and became the seed for the formation of the BRSIT, the Blackburn Rovers Supporters Investment Trust, which he founded along with Wayne Wilde. And over the summer, as we all know, the BRSIT merged with Blackburn Rovers Supporters Trust, that's the BRST, to form the Rovers Trust, of which he's now the finance officer on the steering committee. Back in March, Dan joined us on Podcast 27, Part 1, and discussed the launch of the BRSIT. More recently, he took part in the launch of the Rovers Trust at Blackburn Cathedral, and today he joins us to discuss the accounts with Andy, and he'll also be talking to us about the financial aspects of the Rovers Trust. just like to welcome our two guests in today. Uh, first of all, Andy, uh, you're over in Blackburn, and how are things there? Good morning, Wen. Nice to talk to you. Um, not very Christmassy in the slightest. Lots of heavy cloud and lots of very heavy rain. Um, so, yeah, not very good at all. Uh, um, your name on the board is uh, Fernhurst Rover. That suggests you uh, in the vicinity of Ewood Park? That's correct. The, um, okay. There's a development behind, well, it's called the Hungry Horse now. It used to be called the Fernhurst. But the, yeah. um, the development's called Fernhurst Farm and all the sort of streets are named after Rovers players, yes, except yes. Alan Shearer. <laughs> so, uh, thanks for joining us. And, uh, Dan, thanks for coming on. Uh, thanks for having me, Wen. It's, uh, it's been a while, but uh, I'm glad to be back. Yep, it's good. Um, you're uh, up in the cold north of uh, Sweden or in the cold south of Sweden? <laughs> uh, there's not much to choose from. Yep, yeah. it's pretty uh, 
Christmassy in contrast to to where Andy's sitting. I've got snow falling. Uh, we've already had we, we've had already a foot or two of snow this year, so oh. midwinter. Lucky, lucky you. Well, um, we'll be ploughing our way through the snows of the accounts now, <laughs> and uh, Andy is going to just take us through the accounts and uh, uh, discuss them with Dan. Uh, Andy, can I uh, ask you to take over? Yeah, that's absolutely fine. When no problems. Um, so, as Philip has previously discussed, the accounts aren't very healthy for the period for Blackburn Rovers to 30th of June 2012. Um, if we start off by looking at the KPIs within the accounts, we can see that from 2007-2008 they have fluctuated, um, but so what has been increasing steadily is the operating loss and the wage bill, um, which last year stood at 92.2% of turnover. Um, Dan, how do you think the club can reduce that uh, percentage figure given that the income is going to drop drastically this coming year? Um, yeah, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I guess they would have to, uh, you know, in the accounts, they Karen specifically states that they have, you know, these contract clauses that uh, relegation clauses and the players' wages um, but at the same time, we've heard we've been signing players like uh, Danny Murphy and Etuhu on, on large wage contracts uh, over the summer. Um, so it's hard to say how exactly they're going to do it, but um, there is only one way to do it, and that's that's to um, either renegotiate contracts with uh, with your high wage earners or be forced to, to unfortunately get rid of them. Um, there's no easy way to uh, lower your wages and salaries if you ha- if you're forced to do it quickly. Um, it's much easier if you have a if you can have a four or five year plan to, you know, have the time to adjust. Yeah, unfortunately, I don't think we've got four or five years to adjust, which is uh, indicative of the situation we find ourselves in at the minute. Um, in relation to the player trading, everyone will have noticed that we've sold a lot of high value players and brought in lower value play, shall we say. And we can see from the accounts that the play trading has a surplus of just over £14 million this year. Um, even with that £14 million, the club still posted a loss of £9.6 million. Um, and unless we sell our most valuable asset, who doesn't seem to be being utilised very well at the minute, it's difficult to see how that player trading figure is going to be anything like the £14.1 million. Um, how else do you think that the club could sort of mitigate the gap between a drastically fall in income and a slight fall in expenditure for the coming year? Well, I mean, you're exactly right. I mean, you look at uh, the player trading, um, the player trading surplus is, is the thing that's actually propping the club up right now. You, you know, we doubled our operating loss from, from the year before. Um, I think it was about 4.8 million. And 2010 and 11, um, and and now 2011-12, it's it's 9.8 uh, something around there, 9.6, 9.8 uh, million pound operating loss. Um, this year was offset. So um, basically, what you're looking at is um, we don't have the we don't have the staff really to continue to make these kind of uh, trading surpluses on on players every year to offset our operating loss. The only 
way you can really uh, attack the situation is to try to increase your your uh, turnover from the other sources, which is match day and uh, commercial. Those are the other two besides the TV money that we and our parachute payments. That it's the only way you can affect it. So you have to try to attack it from if you if you can't uh, lower your costs, you have to try to raise your turnover and. Um, you know, let's be honest, uh, that hasn't been going very well for, for the club either. Uh, we still haven't, uh, we still don't have a main shirt sponsor. I guess we've landed a, a minor shirt sponsor that's going to be going onto the back of the shirt after, after Christmas. Um, but still no main, main sponsor. Uh, there's still tons of whiteboards, uh, white advertising boarding around the club. I was at, uh, I was actually, uh, at the Millwall game, uh, in late November after the Rovers Trust launch and, and it's really striking that the the difference uh, when I came for uh, the BRSIT launch the, the prior season, uh, there were no white boards. There, there was advertising everywhere, and and even then we had lost money uh, compared to the turnover from the prior year. So um, it doesn't seem like we are able to make up that loss. So it's it'll be it'll be difficult to see how how it could be done. Indeed, indeed. I was just look, actually looking at the turnover, the sort of breakdown of the turnover. And what's quite striking um, from 2011 to 2012 is the drop in commercial income. Um, how much of that can be attributed to the lack of shirt sponsor or how much can be attributed to the drop in sort of footfall in commercial sales? I'm not too sure, but that's going to drop a lot this year. Obviously, the media is going to drop a lot. Am I right in thinking that the parachute payment is one season of payment split over four years. Yeah, it's one. It's one season of full revenues, uh, which I think was forty-eight million. Is the uh, is the parachute total parachute payments over four years, and it's sixteen, sixteen, eight, eight. I believe is how it's split up. Uh, so this year we get sixteen. Next year we get sixteen again, uh, and then the season after that. So I think that's the two thousand. What is that? The two thousand fourteen fifteen season. Mm-hmm, we'll yeah. get eight, and then one more payment of eight the season after that um so yeah so in theory for 2013 if we take out the player trading we could be looking at a turnover reducing from 54 million pounds in 2012 to anything between 20 and 22 million pounds for 2013 um yeah i think i made i made a a rough estimate last season, I thought it'd be around 30. If you look at 16 plus, I think, I think the TV money for the championship is between four and 5 million. All right. So you get that as well. Um, and then, uh, I actually had estimated a little bit higher commercial income. I, I was giving the club a little bit more credit there. Um, but I think it will be somewhere in the high twenties. Uh, and if you're looking at that and you're looking at our wage bill, if you, even if you say that we could half it, through our relegation clauses and everything else, which I, I honestly don't believe. I think it will be a little bit higher. I think we'll be in the 40s still somewhere. Then you're looking at a, a total, you know, wages to turnover of probably 130, 140%. Um, so then you're looking at having to, you know, do some serious, uh, serious profit making on player trading in order to, uh, to balance the books. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, a worrying position. Possibly not as worrying as Philip made it out to be, but still a worrying position. Um, in relation to staff, I, know, I see that they've not reduced the number of staff and there's not been a large cull of staff that was 
quite widely predicted over the summer. Um, so that's not really an area where they're going to be able to save money, even though it's the largest area of expenditure, which is a bit of um, which is a bit of a worry. Which brings us to the question of how the gap between the income and expenditure is going to be funded. If we if we agree that it's not really going to be managed through player trading, and it can only be managed to a certain extent through the cut of player wages, then it's it's how that gap is is funded. And at the minute, it seems to be we're at the behest of the owners. Um, we've been given a few, well, we've not been given assurances that they're going to continue to fund the club, but um, I would imagine it's in their interests to do so. The only question is how long they're prepared to do it and how 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 many losses you are prepared to incur. Yeah, um, exactly. We're, we're basically at the mercy of the owners to come in and, and provide that money, um, which they have done to date. I mean, you see, the, the thing is, is that you, you then worry about how they do provide that money. Um, we've basically shown what their intent is uh, in that area um, by, you know, the way they've funded the money on, in the accounts is they funded it through through debt. So meaning that they've made they've they've loaned money to the club basically uh you see they converted uh, most of barclays facility into a debt that is owned or that is uh owed to them by the club um as opposed to injecting real equity into the club they've you know done it through debt financing so that's also worrying because um uh, while you while it's nicer to not owe the bank money you you still have a large number you know, a large figure that is owed as debt rather than equity. Yes, that's correct, yeah. Um, just going on to the sort of off-the-field activities, it's interesting to note that while the wage-to-turnover ratio has increased from 86 to 92%, actual payments to sort of off-the-field team in terms of the executives has dropped quite significantly. Um, it seems that they're trying to compensate the increase in wage to player turnover um, by cutting costs in the boardroom. Um, do you feel that's had a, a detrimental effect upon the club as a whole? Um, well, quite bluntly, yes. I mean, um, you know, I think uh, I think when we had, you know, Tom Finn and, and, and John Williams there, we, we I think Williams was on something in the low 300s, according to the accounts of a few years ago. Um, now the highest director's pay is somewhere in the hundreds, but uh, you look and see how active these uh, directors are um, that we have now as opposed to, you know, how they were before. I mean, um, there's no real communication from the directors of the club. Um, it's all coming directly from the owners or or their global advisor, Chevy. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem that the that the the, the board of directors is a, is is nearly as active, or has the same type of responsibility, um, or better put, probably you know has the uh, has the power to uh, assume the same types of responsibility as as they did um, under previous ownership. Indeed, um, a point that's been regularly discussed on the forum is the. Um the debt position of the club overall, whether Venkis have actually increased the debt of the club or not increased the debt of the club. Um, and towards the back of the accounts, the net debt figure is actually listed for 
period to 2012 was £24 million. Um, so for all the arguing and aggravation and angst that the club has suffered over the last two years, they've actually reduced the debt by less than £2 million while increasing the amount that the club or to the, the parent company of to £21 million. So it's it's quite a, a point of discussion. Have they increased the debt of the club? Have they not increased the debt of the club? What are your views on that, Dan? Oh, my my basic view is is you know we, there was all the huff and puff about uh, Barclays uh, calling in debt last year and making demands on Vankies. I don't think they took that very well. Uh, and and basically, what it looks like is that they've they've just transferred that debt directly. Um, they have not actually paid it down in any way. It just seems like they've transferred it to um, a bank in India that 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 the uh, parent company or the parent organization group VH Group uh, uses. Um, and you know the Hatcheries company now um, has taken up that itself um, and has claimed that as a as a loan on 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 the club. So I don't see there's any real change at all uh, in the debt stance uh, from last year. It's just in a different place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just to note on the the post balance sheet event um, for the period 2011, there was a surplus of. £8.7 million pounds to be receivable after the accounts had been submitted and the and the figures were still not very good. But um, for the period 2012, there was a post-balance sheet event payable of £6.8 million, pounds, which I presume is in relation to Jordan Rhodes and a few other players that we were signed. Um, it sort of compounds the view of people who say that the financial position is getting worse, not necessarily by the year, but by the month. Um Again, do you have any views on that? Well, I, I mean, it, you're right. Uh, you know, the the most, uh, the highest portion of that uh, six uh, six odd million that's payable in player trading is uh, going to be the roads um, transfer, um, and then you know the minor sales that we made post June thirtieth. I think uh, Yakubu, for example, went for went for a million somewhere uh, in China, I believe, um, and then you know. All that stuff that came together, you know, under July and, and August um, is going to be in that figure. So, um, you know, even taking that figure into account, if you say that you know the net is six point eight uh, loss after or laugh after the the balance sheet date, you're still looking at um, player trading uh, profits of of about eight. Um, and again, like Phil said, that that's actually an accounting number that's including amortization um, as well. So, the actual cash. Um, surplus uh, is going to be greater there. Um, but that being said, um, you know, what wages are we paying Rhodes? Um, and like I said, the other higher wage earners that we brought in in the summertime um, are not helping matters when, when really um, we should be looking to bring in um, proven players that, uh, well, proven championship players that, that don't command premiership wages, but uh, have proven themselves uh, capable in this division that can help help us uh, in a promotion push. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So I'll just sort of round up this section, how would you, in a nutshell, um, surmise the accounts for the period to 2012, Dan? Well, the, the accounts, I guess the, the basic the basic summary is is is, uh, is what a lot of us have already you know come to to realize is that. Um, 
we're losing too much money on, on uh, operations, uh, and the only thing that is uh, sort of balancing out the books is heavy player trading uh, profits. Uh, we know that can continue for forever, probably not even for another year. Um, so, you know, unless the operating costs um, can be brought under control, uh, and that means, in effect, that means player wages, um, as well as a more uh, concerted uh, effort and success at uh, developing the other areas of our turnover, uh, most significantly commercial turnover, um, there's going to be a problem. Um, to be honest, we don't have the worst accounts uh, of, a, of a football club. Uh, you can look at almost, you know, you can look at 90% of all football clubs that have accounts that if they were in any other industry, you would be appalled and you would wonder how this company was going to keep running it as a going concern. Uh, football is sort of a, a strange industry at the moment uh, where all the accounts are showing losses for, for every company or club that uh, that is doing business. So, um, you know, unless the owners um, can give us assurances, of course, there's reason to be worried. Um, and, you know, this, this kind of activity is not sustainable uh, in the long term. That's the conclusion that I come to. Yes, I, I agree to, um, very much with what you've said there, Dan, and you've summarised it far better than I could. Um, I would just say that I suppose technically to date, the owners haven't, haven't given a reason why they wouldn't continue funding the club. They've funded the club so far. Um, so, fingers crossed, they can carry on funding the club into the future or find somebody who will be prepared to fund the club to a greater extent. Um so when that's pretty much the summary of the account. Um, yeah, thanks very much. To go back to the very beginning, um, let me see. I think, Andy, you, you talked about a KPI at the very beginning. What on earth is a KPI? KPI is the key performance indicators that um, the, the club and the accountants will look to see how the club is performing. I'm just trying to find them as we speak. Um, yeah, I've got them, sorry. Yeah. So it lists um, the turnover... Um, the wages and the salaries and then other operating expenses, um, the operating losses, any interest payable, which actually, to be fair to Venkis, has been reduced from £1.6 million in seven eight to just £200,000 in the last financial year. So that's one positive to give them. Um, it also includes pl- uh, player trading, either a profit or a loss on that. Um, and then the position of the team at the end of the season, average attendances, wage to ratio turnover and the number of live games. So that's that's the KPIs that the club sort of measure the performance against um, as a round. Yeah. Are they industry standards or is it just what the club identify themselves? Well, no. Every company will sort of identify their own KPIs, but within that, most sectors will have the same KPIs. It may fluctuate slightly from company to company but in the round it will be the same sort of KPIs for each club yeah okay good uh, now player trading I'm just wondering uh, how it compared with under the Walker Trust uh, do either of you have any views on that well I've um, in the accounts it actually lists the KPIs for the last five seasons um, and for all seven or eight it was just a loss of two million um, 08 or 09, it was a profit of 10.9 million, which I presume would relate to the sale of Santa Cruz, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and in 910, it was a profit of just 400,000 pounds. 
So over the five years, it's been up, down, up, down, up, down. It's just under the last two years, the figures have been a lot higher both ways, um, which to me would indicate a bit more instability within the squad and the club as a whole. Ideally, you just want to be trading one or two players per season um, and ideally make a profit on that. Right, okay. And um, the parachute payments, uh, they'll go down to £8 million the season after next. Do you both think that things will come to a head when the parachute payments go down to £8 million, Or will it start kicking in much before then? Uh, I think... I think it all depends. I think it depends on how uh, effectively uh, the wages are are um, contained and the strategy that that Vinkies want to take. Uh, for example, if they're if they're going to gamble on us uh, going up ne- this season or next, then they're going to keep try to keep the wages and everything else uh, at the levels they are to keep the kind of players they think are necessary to get us up. It's 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 that whole. Uh, gamble that a lot of people talk about the premiership uh, promotion gamble to you know far out do your your expense or your your turnover with expenses in order to go up uh, and then you know reap the rewards of the uh, treasures of the premier league um the only problem with that it, we can talk about later maybe is the financial fair play that is going to be coming into effect um with sanctions in the next couple of years so that will no longer be that kind of a gamble will no longer be really um worth it um in the end so um yeah the if they fund if they fund for the next two years and then you don't go up say what happens then they've they've lost you know however many tens of 50 million pounds whatever it is that they lose 50 to 100 million pounds you could say just as a rough estimate maybe Mm. i don't know um and, and they're sitting there, and they're you know now it's going to be even harder because now they have to even pump in even more money, and, and if they want to charge up, and at that point, they could be running into transfer embargoes, uh, high you know f- fines in the tens of millions of pounds based on the the sanctions that are listed uh, under financial fair play for for um, for violating financial fair play, um, you know it could it could really be a bad spiral um, if they keep trying to fund at the levels they're funding now and not balance the books on an operating basis. Yeah. Um, Andy? Yeah, I mean, obviously, everyone would like the club to go up either this season or next season. Um, But, like Dan says, if the club doesn't go up um, and the income's dropping and they keep the players, some players may be very difficult to move on given their age and wages. Um, then yeah, it could be in a position where debt racking up season after season, um, and Vinkies have to ask themselves if they're going to continue to fund the club. Obviously, if the club do get promoted and with the new TV deal, then the club won't be swimming in money, but the position will be a lot healthier, um, and hopefully all that will be forgotten. It all depends literally on promotion either this season or next season. And you're saying uh, that the figures are not as worrying as Philip made out, but still worrying. Uh, how worrying is it for you then? Very worrying because this is actually this is real money at the end of the day. Um, over the, the years of the Premier League, people have people have increasingly banded figures around. Oh, we'll just sign a play for five million pounds. We'll just sign it for ten million pounds. Like it's monopoly money. This is actually real money that has to be paid back at the end of the day. Um, 
And if we can't pay it back, if the club can't pay it back to Venkis, and Venkis wants to recoup that money, then you've got to ask yourself how they're going to recoup the money. Do they sell the club? Do they sort of lease some of the assets and rent them back that way? It's um, It could be very scary, and it's easy in the current predicament that the club find itself in to sort of always paint the worst picture. But if the, if the club do get promoted, then the picture would be a lot healthier. Um, some might even say that if the club get promoted, then hopefully Venkis will sell the club, make a small profit, um, and put us into an ownership who could possibly run the club on a more professional basis. Or maybe not a more professional basis, but appoint more experienced football administrators. Or just football administrators, even. I could possibly comment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now, one administrator that we don't want to see is uh, the one that's forced on us. Um, I think there was a, a suggestion that uh, uh, someone at, uh, in a position of power at the Rovers was uh, suggesting we, we could be in administration by the end of this season. What, uh, what are the possibilities of that happening? I'd be very surprised, to be honest, if the club were in administration by the end of this season. Um, I think that's either been a misinterpretation or possible... I um, can't think of the correct phrase, but... Not scaremongering, but just sort of general frustration. I'd be, I'd be very surprised, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Dan? Yeah, I mean, I, I agree in a way. I, I don't think there's... I don't think there's... Um much possibility of us going to administration maybe maybe this year um, because that would mean that Venkis have already decided that they're not going to fund the club at the end of the season unless we get promoted um, and whether this person uh, inside the club has said this because he knows the the, the uh, attitude of the owners or um, he is doing you know some kind of uh, you know scare tactics or whatever else to stir up whatever i don't know i'm not really into the the whole conspiracy theory stuff myself so um you know i think it may may be just sort of a misinformed comment um or maybe a you know sort of a naive one but um long term you know you just see it's not sustainable so at some point if we don't go up this year or next at some point the owners will uh do something to to recoup their money whether that's um, you know, taking over ownership of, of fixed assets and leasing them back to the club in order to satisfy that debt, or you know, selling off and and um, making the new owner come in and assume that debt. Um, you know, that's sort of what they had to do when they when they bought the club from from the Walker Trust is they had to assume this twenty million pounds of debt, um, or they had they they had to you know make security on it and and promise that they could handle it. Uh, they also had to promise that they were going to inject 10 million pounds of equity into the club, um, which they did by converting some some uh, debt to equity uh, in last in last season's accounts. So they fulfilled that promise, um, and then um, now they have to continue funding the club because it's not it's not going to uh, it's not look it's not going to be get any better um, as far as operating profits goes under the current strategy. Yeah, well, yeah. can I just make one point about that? Please do. Um, people may or may not have forgotten the fact that the Walker Trust withdrew funding from the club towards the end of their tenure at the club. Um, just imagine the Ferrari if the Venkis did the same. 
at this point because like you said earlier Andrew the the uh, the player trading Blackburn Rovers has always been a, has always been a trading club we 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 don't uh, you know spend a lot we don't make a lot of losses on player trading um and we we've historically not made huge uh you know continuous huge uh profits on player trading there's been you know when we sold Duff, when we sold Santa Cruz, uh, you know, sold Shearer, those three players obviously gave us huge profits in those years. But uh, normally, we basically sell one or two players or, uh, to cover some kind of a, a minor operating loss to balance the books. Or, uh, like in you know, 2008, we we made an operating profit and we actually could make a loss on player trading. So we've always been sort of a trading club. You know, make a little bit of money here. Uh, lose a little bit of money there, depending on you know how our budget turned out in the end of the year. Now it seems like we're reliant on this kind of activity just to you know break even. Uh, this uh, leads us quite nicely into a discussion of the Rovers Trust. Um, Andy, would you would you like to uh, take over and uh, discuss the uh, Rovers Trust financial aspects uh, with uh, with Dan, please? Yeah, that's absolutely fine when. Um, Dan, based on sort of the pledges you received today through the BRSIT, um, how many sort of fee paying members would you anticipate to need in order to facilitate a full or partial purchase of the club? Well, uh, that's that's um, it all depends on how much of the club we want we, we can get. Um, I guess you know there's this uh you know, ten million pound uh, initial goal that that we always talk about um, to you know let the current or any you know future potential owners know that we're we're serious about becoming you know part of the ownership structure at the club. Um, you know, today we have about three million of that. Um, you know, and, and based on our pledging levels from from different pledges, you know, we estimate that we need about five thousand uh, pledging. Uh, members um, to to make up that ten million pound figure. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, and is there a is there a, a split in terms of how much people are prepared to pledge? Because I, I think a, a common perception or a misconception is that um, it's a thousand pounds per share. Are there any other options available in terms of sort of businesses or SMEs sort of buying shares? In any potential Rovers trust, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, there's uh, there's nothing stopping a company from coming and saying oh, we want to buy we want to buy uh, you know twenty shares, uh, twenty community shares in the trust. Uh, and that's the max, you know, right now is, is twenty thousand um, pounds according to the community trust uh, or the community shares. Sorry, um, regulations is a max uh, individual investment of 20,000 pounds. So there's there's nothing stopping, you know, companies from coming in saying we want to invest 20,000 pounds through the trust. Um, there's nothing stopping any, you know, high net worth individuals coming in saying we also want to do the same. Um, so from that aspect, uh, you know, right now we have about, I would, you know, we, we, would, we would have about the equivalent of uh, 20 such uh, companies or individuals that have come in uh, and said that you know, and made those pledges, those kinds of pledges. Um, and when I say equivalent, I mean we do have a few that have made larger pledges um, up in the six figures number. Uh, that would you know, so the equivalent there is you know five. So you know, we have twenty 
equivalent 20,000 pound or pledges at the moment around that number. I'm not sure of the exact. Yeah. Okay. Um, they mentioned sort of previously that you received in the region of three million pounds worth of pledges. If Venkis or any subsequent owners came to you and said, okay, um, let's talk, but the price is going to be say seven or eight million pounds. Um, and you couldn't quite reach that figure. Are there any sort of contingency plans in place to raise extra capital so that you could sort of buy a seat at the table in effect? Um, honestly, uh, we, we don't have, um, we don't want to have uh, sort of an alternate plan like raising, raising any kind of debt, ca- debt equity or sorry, debt capital uh, or, or any sort of venture capital like that. You know, the, the real other option we would have in that case is to, is to see if we could find a partner that wants to come in with us at the same time. Um, so for example, if we, if we made, if we could make, if, if the price was 10 and we came up with, you know, eight of that and we, you know, said that, um, okay, um, we need we need somebody to to partner with us in a in a sort of con, a, a miniature consortium to to get to get to that number. That's where that's sort of the route we would uh, we would much rather take than than trying to do anything else creative because that that if we did something like that that's sort of against what, that that's against everything we we really stand for uh, as as being a community and uh, supporters based ownership model. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Yeah, um, sort of given the financial constraints that a lot of people are suffering at the moment, um, to some people a thousand pounds is a lot of money. Um, how have you found the reaction from the business community in relation to sort of the possible purchase of the club? Have they been enthusiastic or have they been quite cautious? Um, the, the, the corporate community uh, in the area and. First, you know. First of all, I want to say I think that uh, as opposed to being a lot of money for some people, a thousand pounds is a lot of money for a lot of people. Um, I would say for the vast majority of people that they don't really just have a thousand pounds that they can throw around, um, and we we obviously recognize that. So uh, we we know the kind of investment we're asking for from people, um, and we respect that it is a lot of money. Um, as as far as the corporate. Um, Corporate community within you know the region in and around Blackburn, uh, we've actually had we've had we've had very great uh, response uh, as far as support um, as far as pledges. Uh, the the sportsman's dinner that Rovers Trust held um, back in the fall was 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 a huge success. Um, that is going to be able to finance our activities uh, hopefully through uh, through the next through till summertime. Uh, help help us get our shop up and running and and our initial sort of merchandise runs and stuff like that, as well as being able to advertise and get ourselves out there. Um, those are the kind of costs that are the initial startup costs that, that really are vital to us to help us get going and, and be a continuous presence um, in the in the area. Sorry, did you, did you say you're opening a shop? Did you hear that correctly? Yeah, we, we're, we're aiming to open a, open a, a shop in, in the mall in Blackburn uh, there. Um and you know we've we've had uh, really great support from from the the owner of the mall um, and and the representatives. Uh, they they are willing to help us out uh, and give us you know reduced rates and everything. Uh, we're trying to get the final paperwork uh, done 
so we can qualify for those rate reductions um, and, you know, working with you know, Blackburn Council and everything else, um, Wayne, Wayne has been a, a, a great asset to the trust uh, using his connections in those regards. Um, so, yes, we're trying to get something put together there uh, where we can have a continuous six-day-a-week presence um, right in, in town centre there. Very good. Um, just to go back to the finances for a minute, um, and it's a similar question to in relation to the uh, the purchase of a share or the full share of the club. Um, how would the trust go about in terms of financing a purchase of players? I'm thinking in terms of sort of like high end players like George and Rhodes, etc. Would the trust be able to sort of fund that sort of purchase, or is, does that sort of go against what the trust believe how football should be pro- uh, progressing in the future? Well, no, I mean. Obviously, you have to have the good good players, and obviously, uh, you know, as an owner, Rovers Trust w- wants the club to be would want the club to be successful, would want the club to be in the top division, and would do everything they could, you know, to to put the club in that position. And when I say they, I, I actually hope I I'm saying we as a as a supporters base that uh, would come together to to be owners of of their club. And you know, as far as the finances go, I mean. If we made twenty million in profits on player trading in the last two years, we could also easily afford to break the club's, um, you know, spending or transfer record and, and buy a Jordan Rhodes because we would have twenty million pounds of profit there. Um, so it all depends on, on how you look at it. Uh, I think I think a much more uh, successful model was was the one we we worked on we had working under, you know. Uh, the Walker Trust, we'd have to we'd have to do it even a little bit more tighter because you know as I understand it, the tr- you know John Williams negotiated with the trust um, uh, on an annual basis to to give the between one and three million pounds that that helped them that helped the club balance the books every year. Uh, we probably would be able to uh, provide at, on at the most half that um, in, in any one given year based on. The trust's own uh, external operations, uh, you know, through membership fees, annual membership fees, and you know, merchandising and, and other uh, community programs that we have uh, lined up that we hope we could start uh, as as an owner of the club. Um, so there is a business model there to to provide funding for the club, but but not on a on a grand scale. I mean, that that's just uh, obviously not something we can do. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, appreciate that. Just a final question: um, If the club did get promoted back either this season or next season, and everything suddenly turned 180 degrees and was rosy again in the garden, um, and the Venkis weren't interested in talking to the the Rovers Trust at all, how long would the Rovers Trust evolve into a supporters group, or how long would it continue with the current objective of obtaining voice within the club? Well, I think we're always going to have. Um you know, to answer that question, I think we're, we're always going to have the objective to, to own some part of the club. Uh, we believe strongly that um, that supporters should own some share of their club uh, and, and be allowed to to have a say uh, in in it. It's something that we think is very fundamental to the core of of, of our of, of what a supporters trust is. Uh, you know, and that's something that that supporters direct also um, feel is 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 a core of of what the organizations that they support do. Uh, so we're never going to, you know, shift our focus from trying to gain some form of, you know, ownership 
uh, and be part of the ownership structure at, at Blackburn Rovers, that's, that's what we want uh, for the good of, of everyone, um, not, only, not only the supporters, but for the club itself and, and for, for the community. Um, so that won't change. Um, you know, if we go back up, you know, with the, with the new TV deal, everything skyrockets. Every, you know, the, the price of everything is going to go up. Um, so it will make, you know, it will make it harder for the, for, for, for the supporters to get that kind of a say at the same time, you know, I, I hope for that every day. All I want is for the club to go up and, and be, you know, back where they've been for the past 11 years. So it's, it's a tough one because, you know, the, the trust wants the club to be successful. The trust wants, um, to, to see the club, you know, up playing the likes of your Manchester United's, your Chelsea's, your Liverpool's, your Arsenal's, you know, week in, week out. That's, that's what we all want. Um, what we hope we don't have to, you know, live through is, is another nightmare of the past two years. Indeed, indeed. Well, thanks very much for that, um, Dan. When? Yeah, i just got a few questions, actually. Uh, Dan, if the club were to go into administration... Uh, this season, next season, would you actually have a chance to take over the club? Do you think? Uh, when I said, would you have a chance? Uh, you know, is it at all uh, possible that you could take over the club? Wouldn't it be more likely that uh, you know an, another uh, foreign investor or even a UK-based investor would come in and uh, take it over? Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh... I mean, that, that all depends. You never know that situation until it comes up. Um, obviously, it's something we all want to avoid. Um, the thing that makes it hard is you, you never know uh, what's, who's, who's out there until they show themselves. Uh, you know, there could be you know, several domestic or foreign um, investor types that are looking for a football club and, and waiting for one to, to be available on the cheap. Um, so you, you don't know that, um, you know. I would hope that uh, that the attitude of, of any administrator uh, in charge uh, would be to put the club first, uh, and you know the long term sustainability of the club as a as a running as a going concern um, that's able to pay off its creditors on a regular basis. Uh, and from that perspective, um, you know, a potential owner that that um, is coming in that has only you know whose best interests are are the club and have always been the club would be somebody that would be preferred to, you know, someone who's never been involved in football before, uh, someone who's, you know, not, has no, you know, vested interest in the club um, in that situation um, that would be preferred. So, you know, from that perspective, we would hope that Rovers Trust would, would be able to strike up a good relationship with, with the administrator and, and show, you know, the ability to, to take over the club and, and run it properly. Yeah. And uh, I, I can I can see the potential for surviving in the Premiership with with very little equity uh, as the as the Rovers Trust has. Um, mm. But what about the Championship? If if you were still in the Championship uh, one two years hence, uh, how on earth would you fund the club in the Championship? Um, well. <clears throat> I think this is a good point, a, a good place to bring in financial fair play because financial fair play in the championship is a reality. It's it's uh, it's it's already in full swing. Uh, the in the next couple of seasons, the sanctions are actually going to start coming into place. So it's uh, it's actually going to be forced on everyone to operate their club the way that 
Rover's Trust envisions, envisions operating Blackburn Rovers, which is, you know, having your operating expenses um, be within the uh, within the levels that your that your turnover can support, uh, running the club on a basically a break even basis. Um, so you know the the days in the championship at least and the rest of the football league um, are over, where a, a rich owner can come in and and pay sixty million a year in wages on on twenty million of turnover or even less twelve or whatever it is, and just put in hundreds of millions into the club and force them up through the divisions. Um, to try to get the Premier League, that that's that's not going to be nearly as straightforward as it was in the past, and and it will discourage a lot of that sort of activity. Um, so you know, my basic answer to that is is that Rovers Trust plans to run Blackburn Rovers uh, in a in a going concern, uh, professional, responsible, um, business type way, um, which doesn't involve. Um, heavy losses. Yeah, we're currently around about the ninety percent plus mark for in terms of players' wages. Now, mm. it, it, that's unsustainable. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you if you look at just the other um, operating costs, uh, which in the accounts over the past, you know, the five years on uh, those co- uh, KPIs that that Andrew is talking about. Um, the the actual other operating expenses is pretty constant. Um, you know, that's running the stadium, that's your administrative staff, all your non-playing staff. Um, you know, the costs associated with with um, you know uh, running hospitality and everything else that goes on at the club um, that is revenue generating. So you can't really, unless you you know really cut those services, you can't make those you can't reduce those as much as you can affect your turnover your 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 balance by reducing player wages um so yeah i mean that's that's your options there mm. no i mean if if we have to reduce uh players wages uh first of all we've got uh, very high earners on long term contracts uh, just this summer, we, we, we've signed uh, yeah. Danny Murphy, Tuhu, uh, even uh, Gomez uh, on contracts that really sh- sh- should be one or two years max. Um, now, gi- you know, gi- given those high earners uh, that will go take us beyond the, uh, the the sixteen million annual parachute payments. Mm. Um, Presumably, we'll, we'll have to be getting rid of a, a whole swath of players from the playing staff. That will mean mm. that we're less likely to to stay in the division. Um, if we go down into League One, uh, mm. you know, we'll be even weaker. It, it, no, absolutely. It, is um, that uh, is that a, a, a real scenario? Uh, theoretically, yes. Uh, if it was me running the finances of the club at the time, um, you know, obviously I would not have sanctioned, but I probably would have had the power to veto them anyways. Those, those long contracts, like you say, are, are actually quite ridiculous, uh, that players of that age are receiving that, that kind of money for that long, uh, in a contract. But that being said, you'd, you know, if it was me, I would try to offload those players. I would rather take the hit on the transfer fee loss. I would, you know, I would give those players away for a pound to get rid of their wages on the bill. 
uh, or on the wage bill. Sorry. Yeah. Um, that'd be the, that would be the, the most responsible, um, way to do it rather than, you know, selling your younger, uh, earning your younger and, and less earning players, you know, a bunch of them, I would rather get rid of, you know, the two or three highest earners and, you know, and take care of the problem that way and, and take the hit on the player trading because it will still save you a lot of money in the long run. Hmm. Yeah. So there are, there are ways to get around these. Uh... There, there's ways to get around the contract, those, those specific contracts themselves, of course. Um, you know, but you're still talking about a lot of, a, you know, a lot of wages. And the other th- interesting thing on the accounts this year, you see that the actual number of players went up uh, by a few rather than going down. So we actually have more players on the books this year than we did last year as a championship club, um, which is also uh, questionable from a, from a strategy set standpoint if you're not you know, completely gambling on, on going right back up. Right, yeah. Okay, thank you. Um, do you have any final comments uh, on uh, the accounts or on uh, the Rovers Trust uh, issues, uh, Dan? Um, no, uh, I, I think that, you know, I think that, well, I hope that, um, you know, Rover's Trust's objectives and, and, and our, our aims and goals are, are pretty much common knowledge and have got, come across, you know, pretty well. Um, I know Wayne's been trying to be more active on the forum. Um, you know, I'm, I, I pitch in myself a few times. Uh, I was very active, uh, back at the B about a year ago when I was starting this, um, but, you know, other things in my life, like having children and, and professional responsibilities have taken me away from the form a little bit, but I still check in a lot. But, um, you know, I, I think we're, 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 we're doing a good job. Uh, we're growing steadily every week with new members. Um, you know, pledges are sort of trickling in. It's harder with the pledges now because there's no, uh, there's, there's more, um, you know, a wait and see attitude. Um, and I just hope that, that people can, can understand that, um, we need to be ready should the time come. So, um, you know, we're asking for soft pledges now, so you don't, you don't have to turn over any money. Um, but if you support our idea and um, you think that you would be willing to uh, support us uh, in the time, at the time when we're most needed by the club, then uh, go ahead and pledge now uh, instead of waiting um, so that we, we can, you know, more correctly judge the kind of support we can we can expect. Yep. Well, thanks ever so much for, for that, Dan. Uh, just uh, ask Andy if he's got any final thoughts on uh, accounts or the Rovers Trust finances. Um, the accounts, I think we've covered the accounts probably to death, to be honest. Um, most people, I'll say most people because not everybody, acknowledge that they're not the best. Um, unless Venkis are prepared to put in huge amounts of money next season, I can't see them being any better. Um, in relation to the trust... It's an interesting one because a lot of people are, are, are aware of the trust. Um, I think there's a few misconceptions flying about about wanting to buy the whole club, wanting to buy 20%, about having £10 million to buy the club, etc. Um, and like Dan said, I think I, I think it's got to the stage now where people are sort of wait and see. Um, it's not helped that the current owners have just not dismissed any advances. They've just ignored them, to be honest, Um so that raises a lot of questions in the supporters' minds of, or the supporters that I speak to anyway, in terms of how's the trust going to sort of not force the hand of the owners, but sort of 
persuade them to even come to the table to talk in the first place. So that probably holds back pledges because people want to see something happening before they're prepared to pledge. But in order for the Rovers Trust to be able to sort of push that, they need to have the pledges. So it's a it's a chicken and egg situation, and it's a difficult one to be honest. But hopefully, the uh, the hard work will pay off one day. I just want to add, you know, that's that's exactly correct. It's it's a long term. We're not we're not here for a couple of years, you know, and then and then to go away. This this is set up so that um, whenever we have the opportunity, whether we're needed uh, or have the opportunity to come in, um, that we want to be. We want to be there, um, so it's not going to go away, uh, and that's hopefully something that can be seen as, as a positive um, by all the supporters. Uh, thank you uh, for the discussion of the accounts uh, and of the Rovers Trust. Uh, just like to move on to the fans forum now, um, as uh, people will perhaps know, Andy took over from Martin Howarth earlier in December. Uh, as chair of the Fans Forum. Uh, that will be for one year. Uh, there will be elections again uh, uh, next uh, December. Um, Andy, of course, uh, is one of the Puna Nine, uh, one of the infamous Puna Nine, I believe. And uh, at the time of the uh, Puna trip, uh, it's over a year ago now, isn't it? Um, it is. Uh, John Waring, uh, secretary of the Fans Forum at the time, uh, came on to uh, a podcast to talk about the Fans Forum, and uh, he joined us uh, later after returning from uh, Pune uh, to give us a, a brief report. Now, um, we haven't really spoken so much uh, about the Fans Forum uh, since then. Uh, of course, uh, uh, Glenn and Steve B uh, of BRFCS Admin are both uh, active uh, with the Fans Forum, uh, and they've uh, they've mentioned the fans forum uh, on a few occasions. Um, would you like to just tell us uh, roughly what's what on earth is uh, is going on at the moment in the fans forum? Well, at the fans forum, um, you may or may not be aware, Stevie has been elected to the position of vice chair as well, um, and John's been re-elected to the position of secretary. Um, it's been. Turbulent 12 months, shall we say, since our return from Pune. Um, I think before the trip, a lot of people either didn't know about the Fans Forum or the work that the Fans Forum did wasn't really relevant, sexy, exciting, whatever you want to call it. Um, because in, in essence, the role of the Fans Forum was to sort of be a soundboard to the club in terms of the matchday experience. Um, but obviously the trip to Pune changed all that all of a sudden we were <laughs> thrust into the spotlight shall we say um, and how people viewed the fans forum or how the view of the majority of people of the, fo- of the forum changed quite dramatically a lot of people thought we should um, be very proactive in terms of telling Venkis how it is. Um, a few phrases I received before the trip was to stick it up on, which I didn't think was going to be very helpful, to be honest, or very respectful. Um, but the, from the forum's point of view, the main sort of thrust of the the message we tried to get across to the owners was that the way they were running the club wasn't working. Um, 
it needed to change, because if it didn't change, the emphasis would turn from the manager to themselves. The messages we got back from the owners, well, we actually only met the larger in terms of club business. We met Venkatesh, but that was at the um, at the temple. Um, the messages we got back from the larger were very positive. We've got big plans for the club. We want to do this. We want to do that. We want to do the other. Obviously, we want to take the club to be in the Premier League. We want it to be India's Premier League team. Um, the plans that they had in place did seem very impressive. Um, and they did seem very committed and they seemed to be taken on board what we said, etc. Um, obviously, subsequent events have shown that possibly they weren't listening as much as we thought they were. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, it's been a turbulent 12 months. And uh, what's the current state of play? Is the uh, uh, the brief uh, changing or, or will it change? Um, it's, there isn't a brief as such... And, the initial idea of the forum was that John Williams brought supporters together who were writing in or ringing in. They weren't emailing in those days, I wouldn't imagine. Um, and he got people in to discuss their problems or queries. And he, at the end of the day, decided he would bring a collective of people together to discuss issues on a sort of a semi-regular basis. Um, and he brought people in from the the now disbanded Rover Supporters Association. There were people from the uh, Disabled Supporters Club, etc. North Lanks, South Lanks, um, that sort of thing. Um, And it was strictly non-footballing. So it wasn't a case of, why was the manager of the time playing 4-4-2 and not 4-5-1? It was literally sort of more match day experience issues. Um, When Paul Hunt came in, he was quite keen to expand the scope of the the forum, shall we say, because it had previous experiences with forums I think it was at Leicester City I may be incorrect but I'm pretty sure it was Leicester we said um, not to discuss again literally the 442 etc but more sort of discuss maybe how the club can progress the academy um, sort of like the possibility of playing reserve matches at Ewood on a more regular basis etc um, but we never really got round to that um, the leaking of the letter etc and then Paul Hunt left shall we say Um and then Chevy's come in, and it's 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 reverted more back to sort of, I suppose what people would call type day to day issues. Um, so the, I suppose in essence, the scope of the of the forum as it stands at the minute is how it's always been. Um, obviously, questions do get asked about owners' commitment, um, the future of the club, the financial position of the club, but quite often. People who attend from the club aren't in position to answer those. Um, if I could say that Lindsay Talbot, who's sort of the final liaison officer of the club, I think that's her official title. Um, she comes up, comes along to every meeting, as does as does Greg Coy, um, and Shebby, since he's come in, has attended meetings. Um, Paul Agnews attended a meeting as well since he's come in, and we are due to meet with Derek Shaw early in January um, so I suppose you could say by the end of January we'll have met all th- three people at the top of the club won't like to put them in any sort of hierarchy position, don't want to cause any trouble um, but yeah to answer your question, the remit of the forum is is as it has always been, just a match day experiences, day to day issues um, which a lot of people don't find very interesting mm. 
And uh, just recently, the uh, BRFC Action Group have opened a walk-in centre uh, at the club. Um, the the brief of the centre uh, seems to overlap with uh, the brief, or yeah, the, the brief as you describe it, uh, of the fans forum. Uh, presumably in January when you s sit down with uh, Derek Shaw uh, you'll be discussing some of these matters to, um, to, you know, to clarify things? Possibly, possibly, but I mean from my personal point of view, this is not forum policy or opinion or anything, this is just my personal opinion I have no, I have no problem with the action group um, sort of talking to the club if, if, if they've got the sort of like the, the members and the members want to raise an issue then they're serving their members. And at the end of the day, whether it's the Action Group, whether it's the Rovers Trust, whether it's the Fans Forum, the objective of all three groups is for a well-run football club, like Dan said previously, he wants Rovers to be in the top division, playing well. We all want Rovers to be a, a well-run, settled club. Um, I think some of the, the problems come from how we reach that point. But, like I say, from a personal point of view, I have no problem with the action group speaking to the club, um, they're serving their members, and if they're serving their members well, then everyone's happy. And you were mentioning there that uh, Shebby has come along to a, a fans forum meeting. Uh, was that just the one occasion so far? No, no, he's been to, I think he's been to three, I think since he's been appointed, I think there's been four fans forum meetings off the top of my head, and there was one he couldn't attend at last minute due to sort of outside business matters, um, but he's attended the rest of them and to be fair he's listened attentively he's participated fully um, and he's been a, a breath of fresh air within the meetings definitely we've actually been able to discuss issues in the knowledge that we would be able to get answers but that's not to detract from the people who in previously because if they couldn't get the answers then that wasn't their fault but Chevy seems to be have the hotline to Pune shall we say yeah, you're, you're referring to uh, uh, problems under the uh, uh, ownership of the Venkis rather than uh, previous ownership here. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I should have clarified that. Yeah, with um, yeah, it was it was clear towards the end of the time that Tom Finn and Paul Hunter at the club that they just couldn't really. They were either directed not to answer anything, or they just didn't have the answers, which sort of rendered the meetings a bit of a. PR exercise more than anything really but that what like I say that wasn't Tom or Paul's fault if they were under instruction or just didn't have the answers then there's nothing they could do about that yeah of course yeah. good uh, Dan do you have any uh, um, questions to ask about to the fans forum no I think uh, you know I actually was you know, when when Andy describes you know what most supporters think about what the what the fans forum is you know Especially being an overseas supporter, uh, you know, heard about the fans forum, and I've heard the jokes about that they talk about, you know, the, the kind, you know, the kinds of pies that uh, that are sold on the day or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, no, I mean, uh, as far as the fans forum goes, it's it's definitely something, you know, from my point of view, that is extremely important because it is a, it's it's meant to be an ongoing conversation with with uh, the people that are running the club. So I think it's, I think it's a really great thing. And, and uh, you know, I think it's also absolutely correct that it doesn't, you know, really get into what happens on the pitch. But, 
you know, sort of concentrates more on what, what's happening, um, you know, in the, in the surrounding, uh, areas as far as, you know, supporters ex- experience, um, on the day. Wait, can I just sort of interject at this stage? I'd yep. just like to sort of, I should have said this at the beginning really, but I just wanted to place on record the appreciation for the previous chairperson, Martin Howarth, um, he receives a lot of bad press from within the fan base. Um, pretty much, sort of like Dan said, um, people sort of poking fun at it, saying we discuss the flavour of pies and how hot they were, etc. We do discuss other things apart from pies. Um, so, yeah, I'd just like to sort of place on record the appreciation that the forum has towards Martin Howarth. Um, he put a lot of effort into the forum, he put a lot of hours into the club, and he put a lot of years into the club. Um, so yeah, it, it took a lot of stick marketing, but it stuck by the forum, and it probably wouldn't be here today if he'd not persisted with it. That's good. It's good to hear um, comments uh, and praise of uh, other fans who who are putting time and effort into uh, making the, the football club uh, uh, a part of the community. Um, as for pies, keep them off the pitches. What I say. <laughs> <laughs> I well, apparently agree with you supposed on that to be one. hanging out um, at mince pies today. <laughs> a well-known local bakery is supposed to be hanging them out, and I've seen a few comments where they might yeah. end up. What to the to the to the players is that? Well, <laughs> not sure. Maybe I misread it. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well, um, just round up there. Um, we'll be back with uh, the more regular podcasts. Actually, talking about. Uh, uh, on the field matters, um, possibly the odd pie thrown in. Um, Cammy will be with us uh, in the next podcast uh, talking about the footy, and uh, we look forward to that. Uh, thanks ever so much to Dan and to Andy. Thanks very much, guys. Thanks for inviting me on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Right. Thanks very much, Wayne. It was, it was fun. I'm sure it was. Yeah. <laughs> Fun for two accountants. <laughs> right. Well, we hope uh, we hope that uh, things go well for you uh, in the um, uh, Rovers Trust and the Fans Forum, uh, respectively. Uh, out there, um, the many people who listen to us uh, will be back soon. Uh, thanks ever so much to to everyone for listening in, and uh, wherever you are in the world, do take care. Uh, Thank you very much.